everyone. Thanks for joining us and listening in. Welcome to Leading Well, where we get to know leaders and how they make it happen. I'm your host, Tim Davis. Let's meet our guest today, Jim Seymour. Jim, maybe tell our audience what it is you do. Right now, I'm the director of a project called the Community Business and Education Leaders Collaborative. It's a group of people who live in Salem and Kaiser who came together around the vision that every child would grow up in a safe, stable, nurturing home, enjoy good health, succeed at school, and go on in life to become financially self-sufficient. There we go. Yeah, we hope that for everybody. Yeah. Yes. So it is. Uh, we, people in the community refer to it as Seabell. But uh, yeah. Um, so like you've done a, a ton, and you've invested in my life and our organization in, in, in a lot of different ways. But uh, we love to get to know people. And so like if you were to Go back to where, you know, where were you born? What did early elementary school look like? And kind of just progress from there. Yeah. Yes. Well, I was born in Corvallis, Oregon, a native Oregonian. Um, you know, it's always a little bit difficult to talk about because it was, uh, my mom was 15 when she got pregnant uh, with me. And, um, you know, my dad was a person who had been, uh, abused as a as a child, and even though he promised that he wasn't going to pass that on to his own children, it was a promise he wasn't able to keep. Mm. And so, you know, life was um, there was a lot of unpleasant things. But the beautiful thing about it was, you know, we lived out in this old abandoned logging camp, <clears throat> and so. I, and I had a dog named Sarge. <laughs> and when things got really rough, you know, we could just go, um, we could just go outside. And there were just thousands of acres of uh, woodlands around us. There was a stream behind our house. And so in all of that, you know, God's just provided this beautiful, this beautiful setting. And there were um, a few beautiful people that uh, uh, everywhere. And so I was blessed by um yeah. By, by lots of good too. Sure. Yeah. And so, like, uh, moving towards like middle school and high school, what 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 were some of the first maybe hobbies or interests you might have had? Again, it's it, it, the story. You know, when I was in the third grade, um, I was just out playing catch at recess uh, with my friend Gary uh, Ballard, and I, I reached up to catch a football, and my arm broke. And it's just a terrible, excruciating pain. I'd never experienced pain like that. And, um, you know, my my mom didn't have a car. My dad was not around. It took hours before somebody came and I got to the doctor. And when they did, I, I, they found a cyst in the marrow of the bone. Mm -hmm. And so for the next couple, two or three years, uh, my arm was in a sling. Um, one time I took it out and threw a baseball and it broke again. And so it was, again, it was hard. Um, finally, in the uh, sixth grade, at the end of the sixth grade, they did a surgery. And um, they did a, a bone replacement from just uh, above my uh, elbow to below my shoulder. And that began to heal. But it, it was a, it was a uh, you know, it, it had kind of set the course. Mm. Uh, I had to be careful. I, the, Girls didn't want to be around me, and and I couldn't play with the boys for fear of breaking my arm, and so again there was a, there was that. Um, but the 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 thing that one of the things that I think of is in the seventh grade things had started to heal up. 
we had a, uh, I was in Tillamook at the time, and we had a, uh, a wrestling team, and they needed a heavyweight uh, because they said a lot of the teams in middle school didn't have heavyweights. And if I would just go out, I would get a bye, and that would give the team some points. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so I got recruited to be the heavyweight uh, on the middle school wrestling team. And that that was a life-changing thing to be a part of a team, uh, mm. to have a coach who um, was, um, you know, I look back a good, a good man, a, a good person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then you move forward into high school. What is, what does that look like? Or maybe. Yeah, it was a mixed thing again. Um, yeah. Sports took me down one path. Um, and I remember my freshman year, I got pinned every um, match. Uh, my sophomore year, I won a few matches. But my senior year, I was the district heavyweight champion. And so wow. there was that thing going on. But um, there was the other thing going on, too, which was um, in my family, there was still lots of strife. Um, my parents had moved out of Tillamook and uh, into Washington, and I had decided to stay. And so I was on my own from the time I was 15 years old on. And my mm. senior year, I got into some serious trouble um, and ended up being arrested and sentenced to serve a year in the Tillamook County Jail. So wow. um, that was, um, again, sort, sort of a th this weird mixture. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. So district uh, wrestling champion and sentenced to a year <laughs> in uh, Tillamook <laughs> County Jail in the same uh, year, 1968. Wow. Yeah. 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 So uh, where do you go from there? Like, um, <laughs> moving forward, what's that look like? Well, um, when I got um, sentenced to a year in the jail, I wasn't Catholic, but a Catholic priest started visiting uh, in the jail, and he met me. And after a couple of visits, he he came in, Father Cosmos White, and he said, "Jim, I've I've talked to the sheriff, and I've talked to the my school board, and if if you're willing to commit to stay out of trouble and to w work hard to get good grades, uh, they'll give you a half day release from the jail, and you can come to the Catholic high school to finish up your your high school education." And I remember saying, "Father, I've never." receive good grades. And he looked at me kind of sternly like priests can do sometimes. And he said, I didn't say you had to get good grades. I said, you had to work hard. Can you work hard? And I said, yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I gave him my word. I would uh, stay out of trouble and I would work hard to get good grades. And I ended up graduating from um, Tillamook Catholic High School. And he, um, towards the end, came to me and said, um, you know, you, you've got potential, Jim, and I, I want you to go to college. And um, I know your grades don't uh, merit that, but I want you to go to Portland and take this SAT test. I took the test, and I did well on it. Uh, he actually sat down with me, filled out all the forms to apply to school, and told me that if I would go to Oregon College of Education and get a teaching teaching degree, he would hire me at the Catholic high school as soon as I graduated. How did that feel? Like, <laughs> I, uh, you know, maybe first when he was saying you should go to college, was that was that like, yeah, I should, or like I have no clue about how that would happen? I don't know. Well. Um, 
I'm just no one in my family. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I realize now a lot of people in my family had gone to college, but at that time I didn't know any of them. So no one that I knew in my family. You know, my mom had dropped out in the seventh grade. My dad had dropped out in the eighth grade. My dad was in and out of jail and prison his whole life, and now here I am. I, I had always said I wasn't going to follow in my dad's footsteps, and yet I I was. And so um, it didn't seem possible. In fact, at first, I, I, I filled out all the forms and did everything and turned it in because, um, you know. Because uh, father told uh, you Father to. told me to, yeah. <laughs> exactly. and, uh, and I could tell he, he cared about me, you right. know, so it was hard not to care about him. But I didn't think I was going to go. I was working in the woods. I'd gotten a job setting chokers for Crown uh, Zellerback, and I remember coming in one evening where it had been freezing cold. Um, I, I, had, I, I had a limb hit my tin hat and put a big dent in my hat, and I was so miserable. And I got home that night. And there was a letter saying I'd been accepted and had all of these grants. Um, to go to college, and I just thought, I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah, so this beats getting hit head with the lumber. That's right. <laughs> and freezing. Just, it, I mean, it was so cold. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. So you move on to, to college, and uh, then I, I know I, that's kind of where I pick up most of the understanding of, of what that looks like. But what was in college, what interests you, or maybe just, at, you know, just after college, you thought you'd be, you know, teaching and that type of thing? Yeah, it's always kind of hard to tell the story, but, you know, I got married when I was right out of jail, right after I graduated, my high school sweetheart, and um, and we had had a baby by the time I started college. And so we, we were at Oregon College of Education, and we were at, in the married student uh, housing. Um, I wanted to play football in college, and I wanted to wrestle. And um, I remember that at the end of the first year, my grades weren't good enough. Um, and so I decided to, to, to go to summer school and, um, dig in. I, I got a tutor and again, the coaches, they wanted me to play, but they also cared about me. It was kind of a combination, but they, with, with the tutoring, I, I brought my grades up and, but it was, it was, it was hard, um, being, um, married. We ended up with three children by the time I graduated uh, wow. from college. And so it was a nose to the grindstone. I worked, I played football, I played. wrestled, I was a dad. Changed husband, diapers <laughs> and trying to, yeah. And graduated. And, uh, and it was during that time that I started volunteering at Catholic Community Services and made that decision. I remember uh, being a little bit of afraid to go back to tell Father Cosmos, that you know, I I have I've started volunteering at this organization, Catholic Community Services, and I love it. And they've offered me a job when I graduate, and I think I want to go there instead of teaching. And he said, "Well, I really don't care where you go. I just wanted you to do something. I don't really have a job for you right now, anyway. So this is a break, you know." And so you're like, Phew. "Yeah, yeah, so, yeah." But it was it was uh, yeah. So it's kind of an amazing. Amazing ride. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so you you take that job with Catholic Community Services, you're digging in a little bit, and, and then leadership and other stuff find you, right? I mean... 
You know, the first few years were just so hard. It was I was working in a group. Um, I I um, I was working with twelve delinquent boys um, who also had very serious emotional challenges, and somehow we thought putting them all together under one roof and having one 23-year-old staff member like myself. Um, With three kids. <laughs> <and my children>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This but seems it, like a great idea. <laughs> oh, it, you know, the kids would just get into control of things and, and all of that um, pain that they were experiencing would would be palpable and you know, there were days when I just felt like I wanted to throw up. Um, but I, I, you know, they say you either burn out or you burn through in those situations. And again, mm. with, with God's grace, I I learned to be with that in a way that it, I could tell my life was making a difference in their lives. Mm. And it was, the, the process of that was so difficult. But to this day, I kind of think like everything that I needed to learn. You know, there's that book, I I learned everything I needed to know in kindergarten. I think I learned, I needed everything I needed to learn about uh, uh, life or, or leadership or my, my career anyway, I learned in that first three years as a group life supervisor in a residential treatment facility. Because when you can, when you can get 12 boys who've been deeply wounded up out of bed, get their Hi, encourage them to get the hygiene stuff done that they're not used to doing, uh, most of them, many of them, get the room cleaned up, come down and have a family-style breakfast together, uh, clean up the house, and go off to school in a good mood. That was my challenge. Well, that was not easy. And when <laughs> I learned to do that, you know, on a consistent basis, not every day— Wow, I just felt like I can do anything. <laughs> yeah. <like. laughs> oh man, yeah. So then, uh, so what? What goes from there? Right? Yeah. Well, uh, three years um, uh, working as a group life supervisor, and the uh, the program director uh, is recruited away, and. Uh, I applied for the job as program director and uh, was was offered the job. I, I accepted that. I worked seven more years as the uh, program director and then ended up directing all of our residential uh, programs. And then our executive director um, uh, went on to, to another job. And the board came and asked if I would fill in as the executive director and um, I said yes. Kind of um, like an interim. Interim. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. And I, I kind of joke. I, I don't ever remember them coming back. And uh, you know, I was like <laughs> you said, I was there official. over thirty <laughs> years as the executive director, and I retired before they ever made it official. But uh, <sighs> it was um, it was a very challenging. It was very challenging. Um, the, the the organization was close to bankruptcy when I started, and so trying to figure out how do we get that turned around, and then again we were we were serving a couple hundred kids in all of the different programs, mm-hmm. um, and the kids with you know some of the most um, ch- challenging behaviors and most difficult lives facing all kinds of adversity that. Uh, 
you know, that wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, caring for the staff who were caring for the kids, it, it just took a whole, um, it was it was just a whole nother set of, of, of challenges that, um, um, yeah. you know, presented themselves at that sure. time. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, just for our listeners, like when, when you came out of uh, leading some of the homes to, to take that interim role, what was the size of the organization? Well, we had a $750,000 budget that first year, uh, 20 staff, and like I say, we were serving a couple hundred kids. Right. And uh, I know you, you stepped down from that role, what, three, how, how many years ago? It was 2020. Okay. January yeah, so, 2020. Yeah, three and a half years ago. But, but the size of the organization now? When I left, we... Uh, we're serving about 5,000 children and families, uh, nine counties, uh, had a staff of about $300 and a $20 million a year budget. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of growth. A lot of growth. Right. A, lot yes. of growth. a lot of growth. Yeah. But it, you know, I mean, I know you to be a humble guy and all that, but I mean, that there has to be times when you look back and go, wow, I mean, one, maybe I survived it, two, you know, I was able to be a part of uh, impacting more people, growing an organization, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. I don't I don't think most people walking the earth get an opportunity to to, to lead an organization with that type of growth. So, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty Thank cool. You. Um, so during during those leadership times and all that, we also like what are uh, you obviously had other people along the way that had influence on you and maybe you picked up a way of doing something with your schedule or doing something in your leadership, uh, trying to prompt you to think of, and there's many, but one or two of the things that you picked up and applied along the way that you thought have significant influence, maybe to share with our listeners, you know, so. Sure. Well, what comes to mind first of all is, you know, at some point, this is just for me, and sure. a lot of people may not struggle this way, but the first thing I had to do was um, I had to make a decision to to try to lead a good life, and that's what I would suggest to people. You have to, you have to decide, I, I want to lead a good life, and then pay attention. You know, pay attention to two things. Um, f- first of all, what, what really brings you joy? What, you know, somebody once said, I don't know who it was, that when you're trying to figure out what to do with your life, don't worry about what the world needs. Worry about what lights you up, because what the world needs is more people who are lit up. But the other side of that is uh, pay attention to what, where your deepest pain is, um, because, again, just another adage, um, you will either transmit the pain in your life or you will transform it. And there really, I don't think, is a, a choice. And so this combination of, um, you know, making the, this choice. And, you know, I grew up, like I say, in a situation where there were lots, there was lots of pain. And at this right. point in my life, what I had decided was I was going to not be Ted Seymour. Right. That was, I was going to have the respect, you know, I didn't feel like my dad, you know, I felt like I got shame from mm. my dad, shamed, and, you know, this this sense that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And so what I was going to give my children was a, a dad who the community respected. 
that's that's very different than uh, choosing to lead a good life. Um, th that's like if whatever you're going to do, the calculus is will the community respect this? You end up doing a lot of things that you shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so at some point I just realized not being Ted Seymour, being a person the community respected wasn't um, – it wasn't what God was asking of me, you know. He said, mm -hmm. I want you to lead a good life. I want you to pay attention to your giftedness and what lights you up. And I want you to transform this pain in your life so that you don't transmit it. And, you know, that has just, that, it, it's just like, you sort of have to buckle up because uh, life, uh, it, it just becomes this wild kind of of adventure, um, and there's times when you fail miserably, and and of course you have to struggle with that. Um, and then there's times when it's just magnificent, it's wonderful, and um, so yeah, yeah. I think uh, the transforming the struggle, uh, focusing on things that light you up and your giftedness. If we if you follow those things, I think the byproduct is you have a life that your family and, and community can can respect or or admire, right? But <laughs> but that's not the goal, like you were saying. But that's what gets produced, right? If we focus on the right little things, the the legacy and that reputation takes care of itself. I think maybe that's right, and I think that's fundamentally why Catholic community services grew while I was there. Is um, I did my, I did my very best to be the kind of leader with my staff that encouraged them to to, to make that choice to mm. you know be a good person, um, and to grow and to develop because as you know we really can't change these kids right we, we really can't no but but we can change ourselves. We can transform our own lives. Right. And so, and in that, you know, there's there's sort of a, there, there, what I have found anyway, is you, you transform your own life, and then that leads to your ability to be in relationship, you know, and, and, it, and if you're in relationship with other people, with your own life changing, it is transformative in the other person's life. You you right. are you've experienced that here with with the kids who 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 come in and they're around people who see them as important right. and valuable and and that just being seen that way um, is transformative. So then the 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 families and the 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 children that we served, their lives started to transform. And they started to want more, and other people wanted more. And so the, you know, the growth really came from people wanting to be served by Catholic Community Services and the people right. that, that we attracted um, who led those kinds of lives. And so that um, it wasn't. It, it wasn't setting out trying to grow. It was setting out trying to, um, like I say, just lead a good life, be be good people, and uh, pay attention to what lights you up, pay attention to your own pain, and um, and you will have an impact. If you right. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think um, when we experience challenges in our life, uh, often we're not voting that in. <laughs> it happens, right? And then, but it gives us an authority to be able to speak about those issues or those challenges. And so, and then if we can, like you're saying, we try to work through those and help it to transform us, then, it, you know, like there's, I've had some different challenges that, that some that you experienced and, and some that I haven't, but, but those things give me an opportunity to speak into that subject with more authority than if I'd never experienced, you know, like moving 21 times during my school years and those types. So I can identify in, in other young people, other folks who've had that disheveled kind of a, a youth, you know, so to speak. And so, and, and there's bigger issues, but yeah. And so I, I think that's the value of, of the challenges we get. And of course it's cliche, but we don't learn much from winning. We, we, you know, we, we learn a lot from losses and from stumbles and, and, and from pain, you know, uh, buddy Puckett's a close friend of mine, a guy in town. And, and, and he always says, uh, you know, pain is a wonderful teacher, you know, if we choose to learn from it. Right. Yeah. But, uh, man, uh, we are out of time. And I, I know, uh, I thank you for so much for, uh, being as candid and open. Thanks for the way you've served our community for so many decades. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate you modeling a lot of great things to our community. So if, uh, if somebody needed to reach out to you, uh, what would be the best way for them to do that? Well, I'm at Mountain West Investment, um, Corporation and my phone number is 503-899-5150. There you go. So to our listeners, thanks so much for listening, whether that was on the radio or uh, on your any podcast device. You can reach us on uh, you can reach us on Spotify, Google, yeah, all of the podcast uh, locations. So with that, uh, peace out.